Welcome to Batty to Batty, a monthly podcast by For the Breast of Us, the first breast cancer community for all women of color, where we share real-life experiences, information, and education to help you live your best life after a breast cancer diagnosis. Welcome to Batty to Batty. Welcome to Batty to Batty. Hey, 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 baddies, what's going on? It's your girl, Dr. Alexia, triple board certified infectious disease physician and stage three breast cancer survivor thriver. I create healing pathways for your total health and cancer wellness, mind, body, and spirit. Let's chop it up about navigating the finances of breast cancer care. Hey, y'all. My name is Miranda, and I am one of the OG Batty Ambassadors with For the Breast of Us. I was diagnosed in 2016 with stage 3 hormone-positive breast cancer. I live in Houston, Texas, and I am a stay-at-home mom with a family of five. I have used my breast cancer diagnosis to motivate me and propel me into volunteering more with the breast cancer community. I love connecting women with each other and resources just to help make their lives a little bit easier. Hey y'all, I'm Sharon, a batting ambassador representing young metastatic thrivers from Cleveland, Ohio. I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer at the age of 31. Want to know my secret to not only surviving, but thriving? Stay tuned. Hey Barry, I'm Bumika, an Indian Barry ambassador representing Mamas with Cancer. I was diagnosed in December 2018 with triple negative. Soon after a little diva entered my life. Wanna know more? No more. Grab a cup of chai with me. Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? It is Dr. Alexia here, breast cancer survivor, thriver, and Baddie's ambassador. I'm joined today by Baddie ambassadors Miranda, Bumika, and Sharon, as well as we are joined by Lauren, who's also a breast cancer thriver, and we're all moms. So today we're going to be discussing motherhood and parenting as breast cancer survivors and thrivers. So ladies, let's jump in. So, um... Any one of you, you know, who wants to start, um, tell me about, you know, telling your children or your child about your breast cancer diagnosis. What did that look like? Uh, where did you do it? How did you do it? Some of us have children of different ages. So was the approach to tell the children in different ways? And, you know, also how did that conversation extend to other children in your life? Because I'm sure there's some aunties in the house. I know I'm an auntie. <laughs> and so, you know, my, my nephews are as much of my children as my own. So Bumika, what did that look like for you? Uh, my daughter was actually three months old. Um, when I got diagnosed. So luckily I didn't have to have that conversation, but I think I had that conversation with a lot of people that would have been a big part of her life, you know, in the sense 
I was looking at daycare, for example, for her so that she could go to daycare while I was, you know, going to be uh, getting my infusions done. And I had to go and explain to those people, you know, guys, I've got breast cancer. And it, it was a very awkward sort of a way to, to talk about it. I, I honestly didn't know how to approach it because I think I was more afraid of the reaction that I would get back than actually the fact that were they able to help me, uh, you know, and, and were they able to kind of help those circumstances I had a great pediatrician, so she was like, you tell me, you need me to type up a, a letter for you, you need me to do this, you need me to pick up the phone and you know start calling people and telling them this is the situation, so don't trouble her, we'll get that sorted out and stuff, you know. She was even willing to go and pick up my daughter from daycare because, you know, she's like, oh, you can't go, just tell me, I'll go pick her up and wow. and stuff. So she was a great pediatrician, she was very much on board, but it was a little scary to say the least. Um, I did have young kids around my around that time too. Uh, I have a cousin who's uh, just turned fifteen, so she was about twelve or thirteen when when I when I was diagnosed. And I remember sitting her down, and I was like, uh, "So this is happening, uh, you know? There's this thing called cancer." And she was like, "Yeah, I've heard all about it. It's that whole pink ribbon shit that happens." And I was like, "Pink ribbon shit? I mean, that sounds cool, you know that that, that really does sound." Like it, it doesn't sound scary to me. So she's like, yeah, think of it that way and you'll be fine. And she was very sweet. She gave me this beautiful little plaque that she kind of drew herself. And she had some lovely words on it, which were very inspiring and things of like that. And I kind of put it into my folders. I was carrying it with me to all my appointments and stuff. Uh, so she was pretty caring in that sense. Uh, you know, she had her school break. So she actually flew down from Dubai for one month. She was like... I'm hand, I'm going to be all on board to take care of the little one for a month and take care of you, you know, and, and do all of that. And I was like, well, you know, kids these days, you just, you just get it. You, you just yeah. have to call them. And they're like, yeah, okay, switch is, switch is on. Let's just, you know, move forward. So yeah. I think that was my case. It was, it was amazing, really. I was going to say, that's amazing that, you know, this, this child, this barely teenager in your life, you know, swooped in and, took care of you. You know, I'm sure you were trying to deliver the news delicately and in a way that she could understand and maybe wouldn't scare her. And yeah, she, she turned the tables and told you, listen, you got this, we got this. Um, so that's amazing. And that's the, the wonderful thing about children is that they're so flexible and so adaptable and they just get right on board, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Miranda? Um, so it was a little bit different for me because I actually had, you know, I have five kids and I had a huge range at the time. Can you hear me okay? You're a little low. Let's see. Let's try this. Is that a little bit better? A little bit. Okay. How about that? How about that? It's better. How about now? How about now? It's better. <laughs> Um, so it was actually a little bit, um, difficult for me because I had five kids. So they were all in a range of ages. My youngest was three. My oldest was 20. Um, so the three-year-old and the five-year-old and the eight-year-old had to count. Um, they were in elementary, obviously the three-year-old, he, he was nonverbal at the time. So he really didn't even 
have any idea what was happening. Um, and my two little ones in elementary school, um, I was very, I explained it to them in very, like, really basic scientific terms. Um, I did not say cancer because I didn't want them to talk about that at school. I didn't know how they were, you know, kids see on TV or what kids tell them. I didn't want them to have any part of that. So I just said I had something, you know, growing inside of me and we were going to take medicine to, you know, to help it try to go away and cut it out. And, um, you know, they didn't care about me losing any hair. Um, they're just, as you said, I think children are much more resilient, um, and very adaptable. Uh, at the time, my second oldest son was starting high school. So he was a freshman. Um, and I tried to tell him in the same kind of way, very basically that I had an overgrowth of cells and we were going to try to do things to stop that. And he basically just flat out said, do you have breast cancer? Wow. I was like, um, yes, I do, but you know, it, we're just going to do what we do. And you know, that was that, um, my oldest son was 20. He was actually five months into, um, he was trying to get, I can't think of the word right now. He was trying to go to school in Indiana. He wanted to go to Purdue and he wanted to be a resident. So he was there for five months. He was just coming up on the sixth month. And I had to call him and tell him over the phone. Um, It's always been him and I for a very long time. So we're very close. And it was really, really hard to tell him because you can't really hide anything from a child who's 20. You know, Um, his grandmother actually actually passed away from complications of breast cancer surgery. Wow. So it was even doubly scary because I didn't know how he was going to take it. And um, I just tried to explain you know, to my kids that I'm going to look different and grandma's going to be here. Dad's going to help. And you guys need to step up and, you know, vacuum and put dishes away. So just trying to figure out an age appropriate way to tell each of them because they did process it, you know, in so many different ways. But I mean, I think, you know, you worry as a parent, what are your kids going to say to their friends? You know, what are friends going to say to them when they see you bald at school? but I talked to their teachers also. So they had an idea of what was happening to kind of look out for them. And they did programs and plays and made good grades and, you know, went to birthday parties and it was, you know, business as usual. I mean, as much as it can be, but yeah, I think definitely figuring out that kind of sweet spot to approach it, you know, age appropriately. Um, and I know people tell you, you know, all the books, like you need to be very upfront with your children and be very specific and, Uh, I think that's up to the parent. I think it's up to you to decide how comfortable you feel talking to your kids because you can read books and statistics and watch shows and all that stuff. But if it doesn't feel good to you, that's going to come across in how you talk to your kids. Uh, I think people need to be mindful that everyone is different and you're going to talk to your kids differently and just kind of support that person. However, it is that they feel like they need to talk to their kids, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and kids sense our vibe. They sense our energy. They know when we're not being honest or forthcoming (laughs) and they will call us out on our shit in a minute. Um, especially the younger they are. So yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. Um, wholeheartedly Miranda. Um, what about you, Lauren? I know you have a little guy, right? 
Yes, he is three years old now. Uh, he just turned three. So he was just shy of 18 months when I was diagnosed. Um, so yeah, we, um, we never used the word cancer. He has been an echo box since he was about nine months old. So I just didn't want him screaming cancer as like one of his 10 words he knew, like, you know what I mean? Oh, I guess not at 18 months, but you know, you don't want, you never know what they're going to regurgitate in public. And so you're already trying to figure out your wigs and your head wraps. And if you can even go in public, like I really couldn't go in public, you know, that's a whole nother, um, that's a whole nother hurdle that I personally had. Right. So my, I was diagnosed just before my son was 18 months old. Um, my son turned one year old, like we had his birthday party, like the two days before the whole lockdown to (laughs) flatten the curve. So, uh, you know, while I was in treatment, you know, we, we toyed around with the idea of like, when he turned one, we had decided, okay, he'd go to daycare. He'd go to, you know, preschool daycare, whatever you call it, wherever you are. And then when I was diagnosed, it was well, then COVID. And then I was diagnosed and it was like, okay, well, we definitely can't do that, right? If we start daycare, then I have to have very minimal contact with him because I'm in the mm-hmm. middle of treatment. And then also we're very close with with my parents, my husband's parents. I mean, with us all living within a 15 minute radius of each other, he sees everybody five times a week. So with that being our norm, that would have significantly cut down on how much our parents could have helped during treatment, during surgeries, things like that. Um, And then they also wouldn't have been able to see him as frequently. So we were kind of put in a situation, um, you know, with care and what we were going to do with school and things like that. Um, But yeah, we never used the word cancer, but from the get, we were very honest with him just because, you know, an 18 month old, like all they want to do is play. All he wants to do is go outside. And that's amazing. But You know, mommy doesn't have energy. I I used all my energy on my 30-minute walk, and sometimes he didn't want to get in the stroller, so I'm not going to make him do something. You know, he could stay with my husband. But, you know, getting that movement in every day and then working and then keeping the house afloat and just trying to stay awake is literally all I could do. Um, So once he got a little older and things progressed for me, needing surgeries, the double mastectomy, the reconstructive surgeries, things like that, we were as honest as we could be with as much as he would understand. So we would say things like, you know, mommy's just got a little, a lot of boo-boo. So please don't, you know, don't squeeze her there. Don't hug her there. Let's, you know, let's be very soft. Let's be, be very gentle. Um, just a lot of that. Uh, mommy, you know, using scientific terms for body parts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um and then we also were very transparent about um, mommy is going to the hospital. Mommy is going to the hospital for surgery. Mommy is going to the doctor's office to see her doctor. We were very specific about surgery or the doctor. We didn't want him to have a stigma um, because that's when, you know, a kid's 18 months old. Every time he goes to the doctor, he's getting shots. You don't want him like, you know, misconstruing you having, you know, emotions about what you're going through with having just gone to the doctor or having just come home from the hospital. I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to consider there too, right? Like uh, passing on your bias or your experiences and how painful and traumatic that this is to your child to, you know, for them to hold on to that because you never know what's going to stick with children. So 
that that would be, you know, that's kind of how we handled it. Just very transparent as much as we could without saying the C word. And um, but yeah, like he'll still say, you know, I had a doctor appointment the other day and he's like, oh, are you going for surgery? And how long are you going to be in the hospital? Does that mean I get to go to granny and grandma's and stay for days and days? And I'm like, no, you cannot eat cookies for days and days. <laughs> like you, are coming, mommy's coming home immediately. And so are you. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> it's amazing how they learn to um, see what's in it for them <laughs> in this scenario. Not, that has a bias for sure. Yeah. He has, has a bias. The trend. Yeah. Yeah. So Sharon, your um, situation is a little different in that um, I believe you were diagnosed de novo with metastatic um, breast cancer and your daughter was of school age at the time of your diagnosis. Is that correct? So I was initially diagnosed at stage three and she was five um, and diagnosed at stage four a year later. And okay. my situation is a little different from the other two ladies in that we did use the C word and um, she was old enough to understand a little bit. And we went to a lot of classes. I purchased the books. I was just that mom who didn't know what to do. So I kind of did it all. Um, and we used the C word. And um, after the lockdown, she went back to school. I was okay with it. Um and we were very protective um, and we, you know, we did what we need to do, but she went back to school and um, they had a breast cancer awareness event at school. And so wow. Carter says, you know, hey, my mom has breast cancer um, and she's OK now. And so um, they were talking and uh, maybe a week or so later, she was on the FaceTime with one of her uh friends and all I hear I was in the kitchen washing the dishes and I hear where's your mom where's your mom I want to see what your mom looks like where's your mom and so apparently they have an idea of what cancer looks like from the internet or other people in their family what have you and so yeah I finally you know I finally go to the phone but only after I hear you know your mom has cancer right it's the kind she's going to die from right and so, you know, oh, these are first graders having no. this conversation. And so it was a teachable moment. And so I grabbed the phone and I'm like, you know, hey, this is Sharon's mom. How are you? And so it came, it became a teachable moment in that I told them, you know, cancer doesn't look like any particular thing. I'm okay. I'm her mom. And there's just some things you just don't ask ask, you know, someone, and if you do want to know, you ask their parent directly, um, and we're more than able to have that conversation. And so part of me regretted using the C word because then she went to school, um, exactly like Lauren said, regurgitating what she heard, you know, mm -hmm. like, yeah, my mom's her hair fell out and she got sick and my daughter, she kind of helped me when I had surgery. So I taught her how to, you know, measure the drains and things of that nature. So she was very much a part of the process. Um, and so hindsight 2020, I guess, um, I probably would have selected maybe not to use the C word because, you know, now everybody knows. And I tell her that it is not a secret. We can definitely talk about it. Um, but talking about it in a way that she understands was very, very hard because she kind of picked up on a lot and, you know, she was there. So um, I definitely had 
a difficult um, time after that explaining to her, you know, you don't die immediately. We have lots of life left and we're going to do lots of fun things. And I actually invited the young lady over to the house and we went skating and we watched a movie. And so she was able to have a personable moment with me after she told my daughter that I was going to die. Good for you, Sharon. That's like such a smart idea because I would not have done that. I wouldn't. No, in my head, I'm like, I would have had one of those moments where I was being a terrible mom. Like, I fight kids. You know, I'm on the phone right now. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, there's no right or wrong way to do this. Um, And I think, you know, only we can decide what's best for our kids at what age and what stage of life that they're in and, you know, explain it um, at their level of understanding. Um, Kennedy was six when I was diagnosed and I, I used a lot of scientific language and I used the word cancer and I, you know, talked about it being cells that grow out of control and they can spread to other organs and, and be harmful if we don't get rid of it. So I explained that I was having, um, you know, bilateral mastectomy in language she could understand. I told her, you know, they're going to do surgery. They're going to take my breast off because that's where the bad cells are. And I explained how that would affect my parenting. So I said to her, you know, so mommy, won't be able to carry you to your bed or carry you on my back. You know, there won't be piggyback rides for a while. I won't be able to lift you in and out of the car because I'm one of those moms at six years old. My child was in the booster seat. So I'm like, I won't be able to get you in and out of the booster seat and all of those things. Like, you know, you're going to have to do um, some things for yourself. You're going to have to help mommy. It will change a lot of things about our life, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we were sitting in a park. Um, it was spring break. It was like this time of the year. We were on vacation. And, um, you know, I, she came and just sat, you know, kind of straddling me, sitting face to face with me in this park. We were sitting in an Adirondack chair. And I don't know what made me tell her then, but I, I did. And she was like laying on my chest. And she looked up and she looked me dead in the eye. And she said, Mommy, are you going to die? And I was like, well, maybe I did too good of a job explaining this because um, Kennedy's a very nurturing kid. She's the kid who's going to, you know, give you a hug, pat you on the back, kiss your forehead and tell you it's going to be okay. So when she looked me square in the eye with these tears, and said, are you going to die? I'm like, okay, maybe I went a little too scientific, too much explanation, you know, too much too soon on that one. But um, I would say, you know, she handled the, the whole thing fairly well. And, you know, four years on the other side of it, she's a happy, healthy kid, but Lord have mercy. We have some funny stories about, you know, being bald and hair loss and surgery and all of the things that it does to your body and her just, you know, saying it, you know, a kid at a birthday party once asked me, you know, Hey lady, what happened to your hair? And Kennedy's like, oh, she has cancer and her medicine makes her hair fall out. And um, yeah, so I was like, yeah, I have to take certain medicines. It's to help treat my condition. It makes you lose your hair. So that's why I don't have hair. My hair fell out. And she, Kennedy was like, all oh, her hair fell out. Like all of her hair fell out. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
And this is a pool party, so it just made it even more hysterical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> telling this other child that I was bald everywhere. But so, you know, now that our kids know our diagnosis and we've gone, we've entered into treatment and, you know, some of us are well beyond treatment. Like, how did you try to keep things normal for your children during your diagnosis and during your treatment? Well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll answer that, but I also just wanted to say one thing that a breastie shared with me most recently that, you know, is in the same vein of what you just said, um, is that, you know, again, children are very resilient and I have to keep reminding myself of that, uh, to keep copious amounts of mom guilt at bay. Like mm. we all have mom, so much mom guilt about so many things. If you, have a girl's night and it's a weekday. It's like sometimes that's only time people can get together, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just like tonight, you know, I didn't do bath time tonight and that's not that serious. I can hear him in the other room. Like he is there. He is fine. He is present. He is running this house with an iron fist, his little three-year-old clinch tight fist. So, (laughs) you know, they're very resilient and you know, the mom guilt is real, but you know, one of my breasties told me and her kids were just a little bit older and she had two, right? So I think they were like two and five, two and six at the time of her treatment and diagnosis. And she said, uh, all the children I know who go through this grow up and are the most compassionate humans. And the thing is, that's not to say that if you don't go through this shared trauma with your parent or a relative when you're a child, you're not going to be compassionate. I think that it might in some way, because I know that my son had to grow up like just because you want mommy doesn't mean you can have mommy today. She's an ICU for five days. I'm getting a blood transfusion. I'm I'm an ICU again for three days. I'm not being released from the hospital because of MRSA or I had a PET scan and I can't see you for 24 hours. Like these are all things that have to happen. So I think that no matter how old you are, you might be a little mature for your age. Like I know he's extremely mature for a three-year-old because he knows when mommy's going to the hospital, he's had to sit in the, you know, with COVID. Sometimes there's no other way than they just have to sit there while I go get an ultrasound or a scan or something like that. Or he might have a doctor appointment right after, but it does force them to grow up just a little bit and um, a little bit faster. And, you know, on, on the silver lining, they're just extremely compassionate because they've been through some things and have seen some real things pretty early on. So that is one thing that, you know, helps me (laughs) float off into dreamland every night. (laughs) Um, What was the question? question? Uh, We were just talking about keeping it normal for these babies. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's our, that's our now normal, right? Our new normal. normal. I don't like new normal because ain't nothing new. We're Alexia. I saw your post. They was at day 534. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It ain't new. This is now. (laughs) I have already copywritten. So don't even try to take it. It's the now normal. Um, But yeah, just keeping it normal. It's, it's just, you know, we're, we're, we've moved. Right. And so I am able to do things I wasn't able to do before. Like I can definitely pick them up. Um, you know, I definitely play, I can go outside. Now I have an entire wardrobe of sun shirts, um, after radiation and, you know, all the hats, you know, keep these microbladed brows in place. Um, (laughs) you know, it's just what's normal now and what we do. And 
uh, I, I'll keep saying it so that people can, you know, recite the mantra, kids are resilient. So please stop beating yourself up. We are all doing the best we can in a panty. Yes, <laughs> after the C word, like it, this doesn't get easy. <laughs> like n- We're not being cut any breaks. And so um, everything is normal now. You know, there might have been some spoiling. Amazon might have been coming morning, noon and night for a little bit. Um, because <laughs> they're at the grandparents' house in here too. But, um, you know, even the, even the foundations and organizations that donated, you know, to me grants that I apply for and things like that, you know, there are some for parents and there are some that, you know, just benefit the child or if you get to go on a vacation so that all of you cannot say the C word for three days and just go to a water park, like a day that's just for him. Yeah. So, um, because they deserve that. I mean, I know that I've like given my husband weekends that are just for him. I'm like, I will not touch the TV and all the stupid sports. I will serve you wings in your recliner. Thank you for taking care of me during treatment. So <laughs> it's, just, it's what's par for the course these days. Yeah. Boomika, you were going to jump in? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was going to say, uh, A, I love what Lauren said uh, about the fact that kids are resilient. I think mine became pretty much a diva. Uh, because I had to stop breastfeeding <laughs> and she refused the bottle outright and she wouldn't even cry. She would just look at me with that stupid angry face of hers. You're just three, four months old. Like you should not be having these feelings. You should not be knowing how to have these feelings, you know. So I think mine actually became pretty much of a diva. Uh, and and then it's just continued and I think what happened with me a a lot of what happened with me was my style of parenting I guess changed in a a way I I became more intuitive to her uh, Mm -hmm. and her needs and wants rather than me forcing oh I'm supposed to feed my child every two hours so yeah force the bottle on you know and stuff like that and uh, she's six months old let's start let's start my daughter started solids or semi-solids when she was four months old <laughs> not even six months and she would do one meal she would do her breakfast as, as you know in a semi-solid form and again it was because of that amazing pediatrician that I had who was like hey you know what why don't you just start her let, you know, let, let's just start now and let's see how she goes if she likes it she's, she's curious why not so I, I learned to be a lot more intuitive and I think that has kind of helped keep things sort of in check and I'm not even going to say normal, but in check because I, I, I remember like, for example, there were days I had a little bit of energy thanks to the amazing steroids that we've all been on. Uh, (laughs) We were puffy faced and all of that, but we had a bit of energy. So then I would, you know, tell my mom who was kind of with us during the treatment, my parents were with me. uh, I would be like, Hey, I'm going to cook the meal today or let me cook part of the meal today. You know, because it helped me move my hands and legs around. And I felt like I was part of the whole family and I was doing something and I was not just on the bed 24 seven, you know, crying about my life and whatever, you know? So, so I think that a lot of that actually helped uh, in kind of uh, keeping the, the atmosphere as regular and as in check as possible uh, during my entire treatment. Everybody knew, uh, you know, on the fourth day, I would probably crash and I would crash badly. So they all knew that they had to kind of leave me alone. They all knew the meals had to be taken care of. 
So on the third day, we would actually make something and keep ready, you know, in 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 the refrigerator, for example, so that you know, if people were running after me, there was at least a solid meal in the fridge which could be heated up, for example. You know, it, it, certain things yeah. are that. Most small things are that. On good yeah. days, mom would kind of push me. Let's put her into like a you know into her into her pram and let's you know take a walk around the block and stuff like that. Let's go feed the you know feed the birds. I had these duck. I had a duck pond where I used to stay, so let's go feed the ducks, literally. And she would love that. And in a funny way, her laughing, looking at the ducks, would help me heal. Also, it would help me feel a little better about myself. And hey, this is what I want to be there for. I want to see her go through it. Now she can't; she's too young. But you know, when she grows, I want to go see her through these things. I want to go see her feed the ducks, for example. And I think that uh, kind of helped. uh not only keep that thing in check but also kind of bring my child and me a lot more closer to each other you know uh, there was that gap there was a lot of that gap and and i think it was obviously playing on me there was a lot of regret because of that and and it did help you know kind of bridge that gap if you will that 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 happened because of the whole diagnosis and the treatment and everything So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it, it it definitely changes us, right? And so it inherently changes or affects our parenting styles. Um I became a lot more um easygoing, a lot less, you know, restrictive and regimented and I was all about the fun and all about the making the, of the memories. Um and i i guess for as much as i felt like i'm going to be okay i'm going to quote unquote beat this thing there was a part of me that feared you know what if i don't what if i'm not here in 2 years you know um and so I, my parenting was so like focused on um just creating amazing memories and not leaving kennedy remembering me being just you know trapped in the bed for days on end so we used to do these pre-chemo playdates i called them um because i felt the best you know um the right before chemo so my chemo was either spaced 2 weeks or 3 weeks apart cuz my bone marrow couldn't handle it so um i felt normalish um especially after the earlier doses by the time the next one was due so we would do all kinds of craziness go to adventure parks and ride roller coasters and you know take a friend to the beach and all this stuff and so um treatment for me became this like amazing time of adventure and a whole lot of intentional fun um that wasn't like we have to go to a birthday party we have to go to a play date it starts at this time and it ends at that time and you better be ready to go without a fuss like it, all of that was out the window and i just became so much more um easygoing and um i think i became more of an enjoyable parent actually um through this so that's definitely a way in which it it changed and affected my parenting style and you know i try to continue that to this day um miranda i saw you come off with you and then after that let's hear from sharon again uh i love that you said enjoyable parent because i think you know those two words don't necessarily go together sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> at least from kids point of view um and i love that bumika said pram 
it's so British. I love that. <laughs> so refined, you know. Um, I, for me, because we have my husband's the only one who works outside the house, and I was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I like to tell people we're a very well-oiled machine. I was very strict only in like, you know, we have to leave the house by this time and we all eat dinner together at this time. We bathe, bedtime is this time. So it was important for me that no matter who was doing it, we still kept these very basic, um, I don't know, procedures, I guess you would say, in place. So we kind of had sort of a meeting, I guess you would say, with my mother and my husband just all of us sitting together and, you know, trying to figure out who's going to take kids to school, who's going to make dinner, you know, make sure this person is here at this time. Because I wanted my kids to know that even if there were other people doing it, it was still going to try to be as close as we could make it to everyday life. So it didn't feel too disruptive to them. Um, so my 20 year old at the time, he picked up the kids from school and we had certain friends that would pick them up on other days. And my mom would stay for the week that I had chemo with us and then go home. And then my husband would take over on the weekend. So um, just keeping it normal. And I think everybody got a really um, very quick and hard lesson on um, the role of being a mother. And I, I don't think you realize how much you take on, whether you're working out of the house or, you know, just a stay at home mom. I don't think you realize how much of yourself you give up and how much you take on. And I would definitely say that going through this, uh, whereas you became a more enjoyable parent, I became more of a person who took more notice of myself and my needs and my wants. Because I think, you know, going through treatment, especially sitting in the chemo chair for five hours or however, mm -hmm. gives you a lot of time to think, you know, um, just thinking about what you want to do differently, how you want to live differently, how you want to treat people differently. So I knew that as long as my kids had somewhat of a normal schedule, it would make me feel a lot more confident and comfortable because I need, I need um, structure in my life. And that's just, that's just how we are. But um, you know, you, you think you feel guilty because you can't do these things and you think your kids are going to be just heartbroken all the time and they have their moments, but they also, I mean, it just became normal, you know, like, me picking up kids from school. That was the other thing that when I did, kind of like you said, when I did feel well, I did go pick up kids from school. Like Bumika was saying how she would cook when she felt like it. Mm -hmm. I did make dinner when I could, or I did clean the house. And then uh, I was on AC first and then Taxol. Once I got on Taxol, that was like a breeze. So we could do school projects and go to lunches and all that. So it was kind of a, an easier transition at that point, just being cognizant of when I did feel well and just trying to make the most, uh, you know, of those times when I did. Yeah. So Sharon, while the rest of us, you know, got to, you know, quote unquote, move into an easier treatment or easier um, pathway, there's still new things coming up for you as far as treatment goes and complications. And then um, I imagine that that has an a impact on your daughter, the, you know, the sort of ever changing um state of your diagnosis, your health, your treatments, different side effects, different things to navigate. How are you guys handling that? Or you gals, I should say. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we are making it. Um, and I guess I, I felt a lot of mom guilt because um, at the time of my diagnosis, I was in the middle of a divorce. 
And so, you know, when you have a kid that young, you have two parents trying to, you know, give that kid a life that they'll never forget. And Mm -hmm. um, I remember at one point in time, she was having two of everything and she was just, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that. And so um, at one point in time, chemo was just a part of my daily life. So my job would give me Fridays off and I would have treatment and I would recover over the week. Um, the weekend and start all over. Um, so when that was happening, you know, we had a schedule, we would stay on schedule. And like uh, Miranda said, having, um, having that um, agenda or having that set schedule, it keeps everyone in line. And so it was helpful to have a schedule, a schedule of events, a schedule of activities. And I felt like um, if she was talking about an activity, whether it's gymnastics or swimming, we wouldn't have to discuss the C word. We wouldn't have to discuss why mommy's hair is falling out again. We wouldn't have to discuss, you know, why I'm losing weight or what have you. Um, and so fast forward a year later, things are totally different. I had to resign. Um, and that was hard. Um, mm-hmm. explaining to my kid, you know, like I'm going to be at home. And so now I explain to her, like, um, she's like, you work. <laughs> and so she doesn't believe that, you know, if you stay at home, then you can, you know, find things to do or work at home. Um, but I show her like, the things that I'm working on, whether it's um, writing a grant or applying to a foundation or, um, you know, writing a blog, being a guest speaker. So I just let her know that, you know, there is, um, I guess, people can be entrepreneurs, um, you know, in this area of life, I guess. Um, But now I feel like I'm similar to you. I am trying to create experiences that she will never, you know, Forget, and I don't really find myself doing like really expensive things. We mm-hmm. do things that she loves, like art and going to the beach and, you know, simple things, riding bikes together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like that's how I am the most impactful in homework. Like who would know, like this kid loves to do homework together. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I've got a good one there, Karen. Yeah, who are like, mom, let's do this homework. Or what about those sight words? Um, and so right now we're doing math. We're doing double digit math. Um, and so I enjoy, uh, we, we are like a little competitive. And so I enjoy, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy beating her in math facts. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, math and the baby. <laughs> yep. Mine doesn't get any homework right now, Sharon. And I'm just waiting for that bubble to burst because currently she just loves school. She's like, oh, I'm all school. (laughs) (laughs) It is coming soon. So tell her, you know, just wait. (laughs) So when you out math her, like what, what (laughs) is there a celebration dance? Are you like, Chemo brain ain't got nothing on me. Like, what is that? <laughs> I do not go in on her because I really, really hate it when she go in on me. Like, she does a dance and she's like, Ma, you lost. You really, really lost. <laughs> so, yeah. So that is what happens over here. Just um, practicing slams for you. Like, what? <laughs> Like in the shower, she's like, you go pick up your face. 
So I have I have no hair now. Like it just fell out again. And sometimes she's like, I blew your wig back. <laughs> I blew your yes. wig back. Oh my God. No. She's ready for a step show. She's ready for a step show. She's gonna bring out the baby powder. Watch out. Like <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like we're so concerned and so worried and scared, and she's just like, "Whatever, mom, I'm gonna blow your wig." But like, you know, she's yeah. just like, "Yeah, like nothing." That's she's so crazy. Yeah, she she's really resilient. So, like to what Lauren yeah. said, these kids are definitely resilient. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of wigs, I remember the first time um, I went out in a head wrap or went out bald and Kennedy was like not having any parts of it. And, you know, she was, you know, crying and stomping around. Why can't you just put the wig on? And I got diagnosed in the spring and did chemo during um, summer. It was hot. My scalp was tender. You know, I thought I was going to be cute and wigging out, but the damn wigs are itchy and hot. And so, um, you know, it, it, it crushed my soul the first time, um, you know, Kennedy was like, I want you to wear a wig because, you know, your bald head is embarrassing. And I was like, oh, like shots fired, you know? And I, I, I don't think I showed her that I took it personally, but I, you know, we sat down and we had a conversation about, um, you know, what embarrassment is. And, you know, my philosophy on embarrassment is that you know, only you feel embarrassment, you know, as a, when we go to school or the birthday party, wherever we're going and my head is bald, nobody is saying, oh my God, Kennedy's mom's head is bald. She should be so embarrassed. Like nobody, people may ask questions and it's a teaching moment for those people or children. I said, but nobody is running around saying Kennedy should feel so embarrassed. She should be so humiliated like only you feel that you're the only one experiencing the embarrassment and you can just choose not to have that feeling you can just choose to be um okay with it but um she um she was you know she was just you know when she said she was embarrassed I was just like so struck by it and the guy that I was dating at the time um they the two of them had a very close relationship and she, when I said that to him, like he was very upset. He wanted her reprimanded. She can't speak like that, blah, blah, blah. Like he was not handling it like a, a parent. He was handling it as this is my woman. She's sick and somebody done hurt her feelings. Even if somebody was, you know, a six-year-old who was like a daughter to him. So it, it's interesting how um in our parenting, we get to, um, learn and grow and evolve and we get to approach it um, differently. So um, Bumika, you said you have a story about your hair because I think that naturally like this is you know a thing that our kids pick up on and things we end so, up talking about. My hair actually became white after Kipon. Uh It's a lovely salt and pepper and stuff like that. You know, whenever I go to cut my hair, everyone goes like, have you highlighted it? Because this is a highlighted kind of a look, like, you know, whites in fashion and all that stuff. And I go like, no, this is natural and whatever. And very recently, I think about, this was, I think, last week. Uh, in my daughter's school, they got them to paint, like, family, you know, like, like 
little cute portraits of the uh, of the family and they got them to color uh, family and very mm-hmm. instinctively my my daughter picks up a white color crayon and uh, you know the teacher told me this incident later and she goes like i asked her i said why did you pick up the color white because your hair is black so everyone's hair should be black and she goes like no mama hair white <laughs> <laughs> And she was like, I didn't know how to react to it. And I was like, well, at least she realizes that this is what I look like, you know. And it, it's funny because when I show her photographs of me from, you know, pre-cancer, where I had long black hair, she doesn't recognize me at all. She, she calls me something else altogether, you know. So it's kind of funny. But, but it's beautiful how without... having that much knowledge that i what i've of what i've been through she's very instinctive about picking up a white color or crayon to say mama's hair is this color you know yeah just a very natural acceptance rather than you know what is supposed to be or what is supposed to look like or what it used to look like because i find you know we can get in the space of you know grasping at what was or trying to fight our way back to you know who we used to be wanting to look like our pre-cancer selves wanting to feel like our pre-cancer selves and you know it, as was said is this is this is now this is what it is this is normal this is this not a new normal it's not different it just is what it is and our children just roll with it they just accept that and you know for us is shocking because we are the ones reaching back. We're the ones feeling like we're not good enough. We're the ones having the mom guilt about not having enough energy or, you know, not being able to do things, not having the life that we imagined or we planned for our children. Well, I, But they I, don't I, see that. Right? You know, I also think as a parent, uh, especially for me being a parent of a girl child, you know, I by ourselves as women we face so many body issues and and we have so many preconceived notions about how women should look and all i think just the fact that at this age she's accepted that white hair can be a color even for a younger woman you know mm-hmm. i've i've kind of smashed that body image already without even having to try like i i i feel blessed like that's happened without me having to go and tell her it's okay if your hair is this way or it's okay if you have a little bit more uh you know jiggly little tummy or whatever you know what i mean it like i i don't feel like that need or that push to kind of obviously when she does grow there would be these situations but here i am in front of her the way i am you know and i've never felt the need for myself to go and color my hair because she's fine with it you know more than anybody else she's been okay with me being the way i am so it, it it's never occurred to me i should go color my hair now you know it it's never happened and i do get that i do get a lot of people who do ask me and i go like no i love i love it the way it is this is what this is me this is just what i am about now it's as simple as that you know acceptance is a beautiful thing go ahead miranda i think it's interesting that um in like you were talking about your daughter you know saying she was embarrassed of you being bald and wanting you to wear a wig i had the exact opposite experience I had gone with a girlfriend there's a um a salon here in Houston called Visible Changes and they have a program where they give you free wigs like for cancer patients so I had made an appointment to go in the evening the last appointment where I knew no one would be around my girlfriend was going to go with me and my two older sons my freshman in high school and my 20 year old were like you know they wanted to go I'm like yeah sure let's go 
we go, I get the wig and I, I'm already self-conscious. I'm like, do I have to wear this out? And they're like, yeah, you just got a wig where I'm like, uh, okay. And then my boys see me and the look on their face, it was just like, it, even now it breaks my heart thinking about it because they're like, what is that? What are you wearing? Why are you wearing that? And I'm like, are you serious? Like I'm doing this for you. Like I'm wearing this for you guys. So y'all aren't uncomfortable. They did not care. They didn't want me wearing it. I would pick up my son from high school. My head was completely bald. They were just like, whatever. It was not a big deal. Like I thought it was going to be. And we ended up, my girls actually, we would play with that wig. It was so janky too. They would, just, <laughs> they would just play with it and like, you know, take pictures and they would, you know, put it on the baby. And like, it wasn't even anything. It was just, you know, so I think it's important. Yeah. Just kind of figuring out not only what your kids are comfortable with but what are you comfortable with if you want to wear the wig wear the damn wig if you don't mm -hmm. want to don't wear it so somebody's yeah. going to have to get on board and it's them getting on board with you right like because yeah. you're the one going through this you need to be comfortable and if you're projecting comfort or confidence then yeah then they'll they'll see it and it'll rub off so Absolutely. it's very interesting right like how yeah. how we think they're going to react and it it doesn't always line up with what we think you know yeah, absolutely. It, she got over it because listen, it was hot and we <laughs> eventually went about our business. But um, it, it, yeah, it's just a learning and a, a growing experience. And, you know, we just, it, it, I don't know. I guess the other thing was, is I think part of the thing that was hard for Kennedy is that um, our hair was just no longer the same. And I think that was hard for her because me and Kennedy, we do mommy and me. We do twinsies. We do matchy matchy. You know, um, we get our hair done the same or very similarly. And we live in a predominantly white community. And so um, for me to lose my hair and for her to be the only person with hair like hers, was really challenging for her. Mm -hmm. um, so that um, became a, a big issue um, for her. So, you know, when I, we can now that I have hair and we can do our hair the same, like we plan our hairstyles, which braids we get, and which <sighs> we get, and we get colors on the end. I'm so all jealous. Of that stuff. And <laughs> can I borrow her, please? Because my girls are like tomboys and they don't want to, you know, they don't even hardly brush their hair. So, like, you're. <laughs> All I want is a little friend to do that stuff with. A broke yeah. bestie. That's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> I can lend you mine, Miranda. She loves getting dressed up. <laughs> you know, we probably matched. We, does she have brown skin like me? Are we both brown? Pretty much, yes. Oh, she go. has lovely black hair. So and she loves getting... She's a very girly girl. I told you, she's an absolute diva. So everything has to be absolutely prim and proper with her. So... You know, I could just tell her to come over to yours. <laughs> I like what you said about her painting your hair white. Because I remember, um, and I don't know if you ladies can see it. I actually have it on my wall. The first time my daughter ever drew a picture of me with, like, really short hair. Because my hair was always long and black. And it's, like, heartbreaking and liberating at the same time. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, like, this is her normal. Like, I'm glad that she's okay with it. But a little piece of me still kind of, like, you know, golly. Like, that's so harsh for them to to realize but i mean they're again they're me, resilient you know for me miranda partly because she was so young when it happened for me she, she was only about three or four months old and i actually went and shaved my head off uh because i didn't 
I mean, for me, it was very practical. Like, I don't want to get up with a baby and clumps of hair around her. It's it's unhygienic, right? So I was like, yeah, hey, let's get rid of it. I I didn't think so much into it. Obviously, when I did get rid of it, I was you know buckets and buckets of tears after that, and I was like, oh shit, what have I done with myself? And you know, mm-hmm. maybe should have just let it fall off by itself. But honestly, I I think. because she she's kind of seen me that way as she has grown up it's not made much of a difference to her and because it makes no difference to her it doesn't make a difference to me anymore like you know it we always say that as parents we grow with our children mm-hmm. so i think that's that's the that's kind of a teachable moment she's taught me not the other way around like you yeah. know yeah. Mom, yeah you're okay the way you are and i'm like yeah i am <laughs> I all I know is I asked Chip, you know, like it's a conversation with a 2-year-old, right? So, um he had turned 2 and my hair still hadn't grown back yet uh, or even started. I was like, "Oh, no. You know how when you're going through chemo teach, they're like, "Well, not everybody's hair falls out." And I was like, "Yeah, um I'm broken negative. I'm not going to be that lucky." So, they're like, "Not everyone's hair falls out, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Okay. Um and then you know you see people that are like halfway through chemo and they're like i got a few sprouts like i was finished with chemo i had been cleared for surgery i was out of surgery and i was like why do i hear the wind whistling through my three charlie brown strands like what is happening here so i remember i would ask him all the time i'm like do you miss mommy's hair because you know throughout his life i had extensions i had you know my postpartum hair postpartum hair i had extensions and then I had uh short hair then I had I got a really really short cut and then all that other stuff the progression. And so I remember when he was around too I asked him I'm like do you care that mommy doesn't have long hair anymore and he'd be like no and he'd kiss my head and it was really cute right like your son is your number one fan like your kids are your number one fan. And uh then I don't know why but we oh um your phone will get you in your feelings real quick. So Google Photos had made a little video and it really was like from a week where I had gotten the progression haircut, like I got my extensions taken out, I got my haircut, then I got like the I I wanted the Halle Berry I left with the Leslie Jones. Um not happy. I was not happy. Like oh my god, I've never felt I've never been in my feelings so so hard. Um so anyway uh it, it, it I mean it made a little 20 second video with all of it and then literally 2 weeks later my husband shaved my head. So I I just don't know what I was thinking and this was around his birthday this year and I was like chip do you um do you like mommy's hair better now or when she didn't have any hair and he goes ugh I did not like you bald and I was like wow you just me Excuse me, if you do not even know how fabulous I am all the way from my cells all the way now to presenting to you. I'm really not sure if you know me at all. But what are you talking about? And goes, I don't know. I just like you with hair better now. And I was like, thanks. That means everything you're saying at any given moment is complete and utter bull. Like I like he was a uh, reassuring me and kissing my little bald head and now he's like Ooh, glad we're past that and my husband just standing there like wow you're real close bro like you're real close I'm going to take you out <laughs> Oh my god so Miranda you said your husband shaved your head and your girls laughed about it Yeah kids got jokes don't they <laughs> Um I it, like Lauren said it was just falling out and my husband was like let's just shave it let's just get 
you know, be done with it. And so it just happened to be Thanksgiving morning. He called the girls in. So we're in the bathroom and, you know, I'm like obviously teary eyed and they're like, are you crying because you're going to be bought? I'm like, yeah, I am done. So I think he shaved a mohawk or something. They're just like laughing and jumping around. Ha ha. And they run off. That's it. Like they're done. So I'm sitting here like, I was so worried and so nervous. And they just, you know, I think just making my husband really making the moment like more lighthearted and just kind of, you know, trying not to keep it so serious. And I mean, once it was gone, you know, it's like nobody cared, you know, just like you were saying, Alexa, it's all, it's all us. It's all how we feel we're going to be perceived. And I think if you teach your kids, just like you said, you know, what are you going to do with that feeling? You know, however you react, you're going to follow suit. You know, I had a buzz cut when I had shaved my hair. So like my my uh, uh, my hairstylist was all like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. You've got such long hair and all of that. And, you know, she was all, all, all crazy. And I was like, uh, you know, uh, just get it off. Just get it off. Let's just do it. Like just take the damn thing and, you know, go with it, you know. And and so I, I had a little bit of a fuzzy sort of a situation. And I come home and, you know, I was like, playing with my little one and, and she was laughing because obviously it tickles, right? And I was like, yeah, this is cool. She's enjoying this. You know, she's laughing. I'm fun. I'm fun finally. You know, this is <laughs> hair, no hair. She's enjoying it, you know. So I think it, that was that was quite eye-opening for me uh, in, in a funny way because obviously I was sad losing my hair, but uh, she just made it okay for me. And I was like, it doesn't matter to her. Like, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like no hair don't care, and the kids don't either. You know, Sharon, have you ever had to no, rip right your wig off because it was too hot? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I would get in a car, I would rip my wig and my shoes off immediately. Like, yep. I honestly, I would make myself at home everywhere. I'd be like, I, my wig would be on the corner of a booth at a restaurant. I'm like, get, get with it. Thank you. <laughs> Not that pain. comfortable. I never, I never covered that bald head. It was the middle of winter, literally. And I was like, I refuse to wear all those stupid bloody caps on it because A, it itches. And B, like, like it's too hot. Like, like I'm in with so many medicines and everything pumped in me. It's too hot. And everyone was like, don't you feel a little embarrassed? You're not wearing a cap over. You're not covering your bald head. I said, dude. Bold and proud, you know, like like this is me. <laughs> you know? I should go into that bathroom. That's embarrassing. Not taking. I know. I'm it. thinking it's red because it's so hot. Like everything's red hot right now. What we want me to do? I need yeah. the wind. Yeah, Sharon, you were saying something, something earlier that. Yeah, so Marina said something earlier, and I just want to make sure I have it right. Did you say comfort over confidence or comfort? Versus confidence? No, comfortable and confidence. Oh, okay, boom. Okay. Um, (laughs) I I like that. Um, I have had my hair fall out three times, and Mm. my daughter has never participated. Um, And this recent time, I allowed her to shave my head, and people (gasps) were like, you let her a blade to your head and she did a really good job and it was a moment for us to kind of bond and I I guess I kindly felt I felt like no matter what as a parent I want to make sure that my kid is a great human being and so yes. I felt like 
at the end of the day, that is success for me that I have a, Mm -hmm. you know, a kid who's passionate, who is, um, she's helpful, she's smart, she's beautiful. And I just want her to continue to be that girl and not um, turn out to be a wild child. (laughs) But I'm really proud of, of her as an individual and I feel accomplished and she's only eight. So nice I feel great it. about being. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I've done a lot of things in, you know, my life and we we're all accomplished women. Um, and, and even, you know, getting through cancer treatment and cancer surgery and all of that still by far the best thing I've ever done is, is be a parent, be a mom. Like it's the most, fun thing. It's the most challenging thing. It's, you know, it comes with ups and downs. It, you know, you can feel like you're bombing at momming, but also feel like I'm killing this. I got this. I'm a, a awesome mom. And, you know, and it, it, it's all a part of it, but it's all perfect. So as we wrap up, ladies, I, I got a fun and interesting question for you. Um, describe your parenting style as a movie. Like, what movie best explains your parenting style? Major Pain. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say Pineapple Express if anyone's seen it. (laughs) I love it. Crazy Wild Ride. That's what. I say major pain because it's dead ass the 90s in here. We're all wearing cross colors except for me, who's wearing a uniform of leggings every day. It, it <laughs> and I'm no a masala Bollywood movie too with all the song and dance and action sequences and all of that thrown in together into one crazy three hour movie. It could be that too. <laughs> I cannot with you. I love all of y'all. I love all of y'all. What about you, Sharon or Miranda? I am stuck. I have like no idea. <laughs> uh, I think I would say Weekend at Bernie's because I feel like everybody oh, look. Like, <laughs> just trying to fake our way through the day, you know, like just trying to get through the day, making sure nobody knows we don't really know what's going on, you know? <laughs> oh, that my is God, it's so good. Secretly, that's one of my favorite movies. So I, but I love Weekend at Bernie's. Now. Definitely watch that every other weekend as a kid. Um, I would say mine's is probably kindergarten cop. Uh, except it was a two month. Like it was a two month. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right, Sharon, I think we've narrowed it down. You gotta go nineties or the OOs. Yeah. <laughs> oh I mean goodness. the nineties kids it feels like. I don't know. I feel like like little rascals were kind of learning together. Like, we're building the race car that is going to be the ultimate race car. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I would pick Little Rascals. I love it. I love this. My question, though, to everyone would be, why has no one picked Cheaper by the Dozen or something like that? Like, like, (laughs) I feel like, although I have one child, like, possibly, you know, it feels like we've got so many more people in the house all the time. No, no, I had to pick a second one. It's just going to be Serial Mom. Like, I don't... <laughs> one more motherfucker thing. It's going to go for a major pain stereo, mom, okay? <laughs> go for a Friday night. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. 
Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> well, ladies, this has been a fun conversation. Um, we've learned, we've laughed, and you know, we've taken some moments to celebrate ourselves as moms. So um, as we know, being a mom is not for the faint at heart, but I'm sure we wouldn't change this for the world. Let our listeners know how they can connect with each one of you. Uh, go ahead, Bumika. So I am on Instagram as Buminasta, B-H-U-M-I-N-A-S-T-A. And you can connect with me anytime. Profile is open, but please, no creepy messages. <laughs> what about, do you want to become a jewelry ambassador? What about those messages? Do you get those all the time? Oh, yeah. bless me. Jewelry or yeah. ath- ath- athleisure wear. Yeah. I get everything from jewelry to athleisure wear to why haven't you made your hair, uh, colored your hair now, to like everything possible under the sun. And, and literally, the first statement would be, your hair looks very good. So you say thank you, right? Because when someone is kind of complimenting it, the next step would be, but why aren't you thinking of coloring it? Like what? Are you a hairstylist? Like what? What do you want to wow, do? Sir. <laughs> Rude. Yeah, yeah. Going down in the DMs. Absolutely. All right, Lauren, how can people slide into your DMs? <laughs> I slide in my DMs. I'm too square. I'm too old. I'm too tired. My hip clicks at all times. Don't mess with me. Um... No, so my handle is type A guide to cancer. That is across all platforms. If I'm not on it, it's just yet. Uh, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. Um, and that's it. But my main home is Instagram. I am not a doctor like Dr. Alexia, but sometimes I play them in Instagram reels and sometimes <laughs> even lesser. They're funny. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's me type a guide to cancer everywhere i'm super type a i had cancer that's all i got love it love it love it sharon like i feel like i should have like something cool they had something cool like following their their introduction right <laughs> i need to get one of those <laughs> um but i am sharon and you guys can connect with me on instagram and the tag is thriving iv life and that stands for thriving for life and so regardless of what's happening i always will be a thriver that's right miranda you can find me at merlore degon i get this question a lot it's just my name miranda lorraine de hoyos gonzalez it's long i'm mexican i've said it before it's just the first three letters of each one (laughs) m-i-r-l-o-r-d-e-h-g-o-n and i bet you've never met a hispanic woman or Latina with the middle name of Lorraine, either. <laughs> Definitely I haven't. Not. I haven't, now since you've mentioned it. I've met you. Hey, Miranda. <laughs> hey, Mamika, what's up? <laughs> Dr. Alexia, where can, how can we find you? Where can we find you? So Give original. More. So original. Give you can find more. me at Dr. Alexia. <laughs> T-R-A-L-E-X-E-A on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And my website is dralexia.com. So um, ladies, Thanks again. You. Alexia, don't forget. We're on Clubhouse, guys. Alexia and me. So oh, yeah. whoa, whoa, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cancer Club over at Clubhouse. That's right. I'm at Dr. Alexia on Clubhouse as well. 
So, ladies, this has been super fun, um, and we could go on and on and on because um, motherhood plus cancer gives you nonstop subject matter to talk about, um, so many things to, to touch on, things that made you laugh, things that made you cry, but we got to wrap it up. So we want to thank our listeners for tuning in, and make sure you like, share, and subscribe to Batty to Batty wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you so much, everybody. This is another Batty Creation brought to you by For the Rest of Us. Don't forget to subscribe to Batty to Batty wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at For the Rest of Us, on Twitter at The Breast of Us, and check us out online at breastofus.com. Thanks for listening.